Hey guys, welcome to the Paddler's Playbook. Welcome ladies and gentlemen of podcast land. Thermal convection, man. These dudes almost killed me. You know, redfish are really dumb. How do you take your marsh dump? This fool used all my toilet paper. Bro, Well now that Drew's done dragging this on. TPP15. You gonna get a dozen shrimp? Hey, you throwing that cast net again this weekend? Over oh, Lord. I almost died. I do not want to paddle that far. Once again, he almost died. I'm not waking up at butt crack dawn. I'll see you at the launch around noon. I love wake baits. Haven't you ever heard them chatter? Let me double back here first. And now, a word from Saltside Jet. Oh, yeah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the paddle. Check out our Welcome, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land. I'm your host, Drew Turner. I'm here with my co-host, Chris Lewis. And we are live from the Bait Butler studio, bringing you another edition of the Paddler's Playbook. This is going to be a showdy. A showdy. You guys, I know you're used to those two-hour episodes where we just talk and talk and talk. They're going to be like, oh, a new episode. I can drive all the way from Conroe to Galveston and listen. Oh, wait, I've only made it to downtown. Yeah, they can make it to downtown with this one. We're in a little bit of a rush tonight, though, because for those of you that don't know, we broadcast this from the Houston area, and the Strohs are playing in the World Series. So we're, tr- we're trying to get to the Strohs game and watch the Strohs game. Get to it? You mean get to your couch? Yeah, exactly. That's what I meant. Well, I'm trying to get to my couch Because if you're trying to uh, get to my the popcorn. game itself, you should have left like an hour and a half ago. Yeah, it it would uh it would take a while to get there, and and you would have had to have three thousand dollars to just burn. Exactly, those World Series tickets are crazy, Dude, crazy I'm, expensive. I'm totally fine with just watching on my couch. You know, I can take naps if I want to. <laughs> exactly, um, I I almost fell asleep about the fourth inning, and then the seventh inning. Last night for game one, I was like, all right, I'm out. They're, they're, I, they're down five to one. I'm going I, to sleep. I got to tell you something, man. Um, okay, so everybody that's listening and everybody in the entire world that watches sports know Joe Buck is a dumbass. And I really want to ask like our broadcasting friends because we do have some friends that are in the broadcasting business and we do have friends that broadcast in, you know, sports. I want to ask them, how does a dumbass like that maintain his – job and his position <laughs> his, but his daddy his daddy was one of the greatest man. of all time well so last night he was like he was, he, he was commenting on how the astros you know stay in the game then and he's like and they're panning around the stadium and everybody's like dozing off man they're using their their rally towels as a pillow <laughs> it was it was not a fun game well, the the Braves just took took the wind out of the sails very early with those uh, three runs in the first inning and lead off lead off home run and Altuve just wasn't doing really well. But the Astros are not why you guys tuned into this show. You guys tuned into the show to talk a little bit about Some kayak yakking. yak fishing. Now, Chris, I'm Yo-yo. gonna I'm gonna say this. We're going to talk about things that 
we cannot live without now that we have been kind of the experienced kayakers that we are. And we are also going to talk about things that we thought we had to have when we first started kayaking that over the years have either collected dust or we've just given away or shit. (laughs) There's all kinds of stuff in the, in the garage for that. Um, but I don't, I I don't want to give up what it is because we'll talk about it later, but you suggested a certain lure that now I'm going to have on the kayak every single time. And me and my brother were both using these lures and were able to, we didn't get in the money. The money was top five. But we you got were missing just one fish. Man. One well, we were missing one pound. One more pound on one of the fish would have got us into the money. Um, we got eighth out of forty teams, and the Heroes on the Water Saltwater Survivor Series event. Um, we got eighth there, but man, we were into the redfish. We had one that was twenty-seven and seven eighths. So that was awesome, but that was y'all's first fish of the day, wasn't it? Uh, that was our second. Dang. So I probably caught six redfish that day. Um, all but one of them was from schools, and they were every single one of them were twenty-four inches, four and a half pounds. Every single one of them between twenty-four and twenty-five and four and a half pounds, and we just couldn't get that. 26 incher that you know that 27 that would have put us in the money so you it found, was it was hard so i'm curious man because i i know ex- you know we talked about your location where you were going to fish and and um the tools to use and how to fish the area and i'm curious those four and five pounders were they acting the way i told you they that four and five pounders usually act like unruly school children Yes. Just all over each other. Just Very much so. They they were schooled up. The very first one that we caught that I ended up um, turning in that was the heaviest one, um, I caught him on my second cast of the day, and he was by, uh, by himself. By um, himself, yeah. Feeding, feeding in a drain, um, just by himself feeding in the drain. And he was the largest one. That's the, that's the craziest thing is that – Unless you find an open water school, and what I mean by that is is not a school that's in you know on a grass line, not a school that's. Um, I'm talking about the very experienced older fish that school up, and they corral bait. Those fish are so intelligent, man, and they know how to corral bait so well that they've been able to grow to pretty enormous sizes. And my daughter and I experienced this once where we saw an open water school of about a hundred or more redfish. Uh, Of course, you can only guess how many are in the school. And they were pushing bait so fast and so furiously. They weren't eating it. They were pushing the bait. Okay. That there was a wake, a literal, like, like surf wake, right? And you had swells, redfish yeah, swells, and, and we couldn't catch up to them. They were moving so fast, and you could just—it was like dolphins or something like that. Like they were doing this thing, and it was a thing. You could tell that they've done it before, and they pushed the bait all the way up into the grass until the 
bait could not escape. And then they just went furious, man. Just they, they just went to town and just gobbled it all up, and then they disappeared. The, the fish that I was seeing that was schooled up, so in this particular area, there are some places that are probably 20 foot long, 30 foot, and it is a definite bank. Like, it is a definite shoreline where you have the cord grass that is very, very thick, and there is land behind that cord grass. Like, it's, it's hard, it's hard-packed grant, uh, land right there. To each side of these is just kind of a flooded area with flooded grass that was six to eight inches. It's just mud. Sti- I mean, it, it is deep mud. Yeah. Um, but you have the, for lack of a better word, you have these little peninsulas coming out that are harder, more packed um, soil. So we're obviously so, going to talk redfish first. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so what? What? Uh, but this goes in. We'll, we'll. I'll, I'll tell you guys a little bit more, and, and this will make sense on why why we're talking about this particular instance. Because two of the things that I'm going to talk about, I will not leave home without. I really needed during this trip. But so what the redfish were doing is they were moving south. All every school that I saw was going south down the shoreline. And at first, I was trying to chase them back into the really, really shallow areas. And I couldn't get back there far enough to them. Um, or if I threw the bait in water that shallow, they were getting spooked. So what I ended up doing was I saw all of them were going south. Every one of them, they'd work the grass. And then they would have to come out of that six or eight inches and they would come right in front of the taller, more packed grass. And you couldn't see them at that point because the water was a little deeper. But you could see the shrimp just jumping. Choop, 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 yeah. choop, choop, choop. So what I ended up doing is just posting up in front of those and just waiting for schools to come by. And about every 20 minutes, a new school would come by. I'd throw at it. I'd catch a fish out of it. And I was throwing far in front and catching fish and it didn't matter it was spooking the whole school it was like a bomb uh went off and they just all went nuts and they were gone because it was schools of probably 10 to 15 uh redfish there just constantly yeah just i mean they were just running through about every 20 minutes it was like a like a subway so yeah (laughs) yeah that that area they tend to do that so Mm -hmm. I know I've talked about this before, and I'll go ahead and reiterate because it's always good to have that refresher. Um, and here's what's cool, guys, is that Drew was just like amped up, man. He was amped up after the the uh, cats tournament, and he was like, "I I want to find a tournament, and I want to go fish, and I want to go fish hard the way I should um, whenever we're fishing a tournament." And he did. I don't that. get to fish tournaments very often, so plus plus I got to fish with my brother, so. There you go. Me and him have been fishing a little more, and this is more our thing now. And it's nice to do stuff with family in this this instance. So it's Absolutely. nice to have a thing for me and him to do now. So what I what I've talked about in the past was, um, of course, those solo redfish. Right, the solo redfish tend to be the ones that are that are bigger, that are that are longer, heavier, unless, like I said, in one of these organized schools. So the solos, what are they eating? The solos have, have 
graduated from being the mass shrimp gobblers, okay? They have understood now that in order to sustain their bigness, <laughs> shrimp are not going to give them what they need. Now, don't, don't think they're not going to eat a shrimp, okay? Because redfish in all you know, seriousness, they're, they're opportunists. They're, they're going to eat when the opportunity you know, arises. But what they look for the most is going to be fatty, nutritious fish, other fish that are fatty and nutritious. And I know you're going to tell them about the lure that you used because that lure mimics a fish, not a shrimp, not a shad, no, a tiny shad. It mimics a larger um, bait fish. Those guys that are eating the shrimp, shrimp doesn't have, I mean, it has nutritional value, but it doesn't have like the fats, the calories that helps a fish like really beef up and get fat. If you cut open one of these fat boys, you're probably going to find like, you know, monster balls of, of shad and not even the tiny ones, the big ones, man. And, and you're going to find like big mullet. And sometimes you'll find some shrimp because they do gorge on shrimp every now and then. Uh, but I think more often than not, the small four pound, five pound guys are, are feeding on shrimp constantly. And those big daddies, you know, they sit and lay in wait um, to ambush an unsuspecting, you know, mullet just passing by. Um, that's my opinion on the matter anyway. Yeah, they do. And you were talking about the lure. Chris, you've been trying to tell me this for two years now that I need to throw more crankbaits. Um, and I did. And we caught fish. Our big fish were caught on crankbaits. Our little fish were caught on crankbaits. We caught fish on crankbaits all day long. And that hit is something different, man. They don't hit it like they do with the soft plastic. No, they knocked the hell out of that thing. They hit it with a vengeance, man. And it's, it's halfway it's halfway down their throat. Mm -hmm. Um so <laughs> since uh since we both use those in tournaments often, I think this is the last time we're gonna tell other people to use the crankbaits. Um <laughs> no more crankbait usage, guys. This is the last time we're gonna bring it up on the show. Um I've actually bought a few different types of crankbaits that I'm gonna try out this weekend. I'm gonna we're gonna target flounder, but I know I'm gonna try to catch some redfish too. We may run across some schools, um, but yeah, I, I'm not I'm not leaving to go fishing for redfish without a crankbait from now on. With the crankbait though, the other thing I learned after fishing this tournament and fishing crankbaits, the fish like to swallow it all the way down their throat, down into the crushers, man. All the way down. It makes it very difficult to get your hook out of the fish's mouth. And if you have a really good hook set, you may not get all your treble hooks out of that fish's mouth intact. So what happened to me was, you know, I caught two fish pretty quickly in the day. And I had two crankbaits that were both had two hooks on the treble hook on the back. Uh, I was missing a treble on each of them. Um, of course, I brought extra hooks thinking, 
maybe something like that would happen. I'm using four times uh, strong hooks, size two, but I didn't have any split ring pliers with me. Now, my pliers have a split ring attachment, but those things are huge. Like you couldn't even get it into the split ring for the little fork to go in there to use them. So I tore my thumbnail up trying to get it in there for anything like that yeah i i i have a pocket knife you probably end up stabbing your leg or something exactly and there was so many you know the schools were coming in and everything so i was just switching out and switching out switching out and then by the time i was completely fed up with it and i was like okay i have to stop i have to get this fixed my brother came by and he had some extra crankbait so he just threw me one and i threw it on there um but when i got home the first thing i did after this tournament was order me some nice pliers uh and a whole kit with new uh stainless steel split rings and everything in it and i went and changed all my hooks out on all of my crankbaits because i am not having my thumb look like that ever again because I was missing a quarter of my thumbnail. So, so a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll switch out those um, trebles for singles. And I have some that, that have singles on them. And I can't say that I've done really well. A lot of people will say you will, you will, you'll have more hits on inline singles versus trebles because the bait's allowed to act more natural. Um, the trebles are a little inhibitive of the motion and movement. But I can't say that they're any better because I haven't really gotten many hits on inline singles. Now, inline singles will, from what I understand, you'll get more bites in the lip than in, down in the gullet. Than down in the throat. Yeah. Which, I mean, that could that could help with... Uh, keeping the fish alive for some of these tournaments where did you know, die they, on you? they have to be alive. One of them did. Um, one fish did die, but it was way deep down there. I mean, it was like down into the throat. It was past the crushers. I was, I was hooked into the stomach sphincter yeah. there. It was, <laughs> it was in there. Um, so my big fish for cats died because of two reasons, man. One, I had to fight it for way too long. And I use pretty large gear, right? Yeah. Um, you know, my my rod is um, a medium. medium it, it's just straight medium, okay? Um, and 40-pound or – no, not 40-pound. 30-pound braid, um, and I'm tied straight to the braid. I could not get this freaking fish to the kayak, man. I mean – my my rod was literally just bowed the frick over, man. It was ridiculous how bowed over it was. I got it, finally got it up to the kayak, into the net, and into my lap, and I couldn't get the damn hook out. The hook was so just buried in this fish, and finally I said, forget it. I cut it. I just cut the line mm-hmm. and uh, put that fish on the stringer, and it immediately went belly up. Yeah. Yeah, and there was, wasn't there wasn't anything you could do about it either. Nothing I could do about it, dude. I had been fighting that fish for so long. Um, you know, even if I think even if I had a broomstick, it would have been difficult to get that fish in. 
he was just he was just a brute, man. He was just mad and running away. Hey, dude, he was pissed. <laughs> And ran for every piece of structure that was within, uh, you know, 50 yards of me. He ran for fence posts. He ran for grass. He ran for, you know, oyster beds. It was just like, what the hell? This fish is taking me everywhere. <laughs> did you loosen up your drag at all, or did you just still try to horse him in? Oh, I, I had it. I, I know it you. Down, dude. I had it down, yeah. I know well, you. I, you had it locked down, yeah, and yeah. you were in there. Yeah, I was, and that's you know, why he was dragging me everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, you you know you're right about the um, the split ring pliers, man. It's something that everybody that fishes a hard bait should have on their boat on the kayak on the kayak, even if they're not you know it doesn't necessarily apply to just treble hooks. You know, taking treble hooks out. You know, sometimes you got to change out the singles too. and and that is really the only way to effectively and efficiently remove a hook from a split ring is to have a pair of split ring pliers. Now, what I've found is it's good to have a pair of do-it-all pliers, right? Yep. Some that have the split ring um, tooth on the front that also have cutters that also have, you know, maybe, you know, a long um, jaw so that you can get down in deep those aren't always easy to find um i've had some and lost some um and right now i just keep a separate pair of split ring pliers with me but man it is good to have one good pair of pliers so which ones did you end up buying oh man i cannot remember the name of them off amazon i got the whole kit it was stainless steel it came with a whole bunch of split rings as well um I don't remember the name of the kid, I, honestly. I, I looked at a lot of different ones, but I had a lot of um, topwaters that I had taken the hooks off, taken the split rings off, and I needed to put new split rings on. So I just found uh, a package that had the stainless steel split ring pliers and the stainless steel split rings already in it uh, that were made small enough for the type of lures that we use. I'll tell you guys, there's, um, you know, there's a lot of different manufacturers or brands. I should say brands because they're probably all made by very similar manufacturers. But some of the ones that I've had in the past that ended up being total crap are like the Shimano split yeah. pliers. Yeah. I paid way too much money for those and they ended up falling apart really fast. Um, the ones that surprisingly held up the best were the cheapos. Yeah, I think this whole set was eleven bucks for for split <laughs> That's rings. That's pretty freaking cheap. I was saying, I was thinking they, like twenty five, thirty dollars. And they're little bitty, they're little bitty pliers. But listen, here here's my here's my thing. Tournament season really isn't going to get kicked off again until next March or April. I bought the cheap ones now just so I have some. But I plan to look at some of the nicer pliers at the Houston Fishing Show or the Boat Show whenever it happens uh, to really get my hands on on some different tools that'll be there. Because I I want something that is going to last. I'm fully for spending a little bit more money on quality things. But I want to get my hands on them and touch them before I really commit to spending some money on some tools 
Well, just having at least one pair. Yeah, this will this will do me until the next tournament, um, which I think I, we're gonna fish toys for tots. That's a that's a good tournament to fish. It's about the only one in the winter time too. So you want to know something that I I um, I purchased for kayak fishing that I have a ton of and I never use. I, I'll actually I'll let you take a guess. Do you want me to guess what it is? Yeah, guess. Scotty rod holders. Freaking rod holders. <laughs> and they come they come with every used boat that I buy. And guys, if you are in need of some Scotty mounts and Scotty rod holders, I've got surface mounts galore, and I've got the big scotty rod holders i've got the small scotty rod holders i've got the long scotty rod holders i've got the short scotty (laughs) if you need a rod holder let me know because i won't use this stuff um they're great they're fantastic for trolling okay yes they're great for trolling um i think the person that that used this um new canoe that i bought they were catfish fishermen Mm-hmm. Because they had those long tube, like rocket launcher type yes. Scotty rod holders. And those are typically used with rods that have really long um, rod butts. Catfish rods usually have the really long rod butts because you just sit there and wait. Insert cricket noises here. Troop, troop, <laughs> yeah. Troop, troop. For the fish to bite. So. Uh, if you need something like that and you don't want to spend a whole bunch of money, you know, I'll, I'll cut you a deal. Let me know. Maybe I'll just bring them to the. You know what? I should just bring all my extra shit to the bro staff. To the bro meetup. staff meetup, November eleventh. You know what? Maybe we should just turn it into a bro staff meetup slash swap, swap meet. meet. <laughs> it's the it's the twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth. So it's that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna bring my uh, rooftop tent and um, and just camp off of it, man. Um, uh, I don't know exactly how they have their setups there. We've been there once before, but uh, I'm hoping that I can just back that trailer up into to a spot and just pop it oh, open. And... Yeah, you'll you'll be fine backing the trailer up there. And I'm only drinking water this time. Water? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> man, I don't know if I can handle another. Uh, no voodoo ranger. Like last time, golly, how many people we have? Uh, right now, we're not sitting at a very, very high capacity, but I bet next week I get a bunch of email or a bunch of messages saying, hey, save me a spot. Hey, save me a spot. Hey, save me a spot. Everybody's just waiting to make plans. Yeah, they are. They're probably seeing what the weather's going to be like before they, they commit to it. But we've got uh, we've got five sites out there that can take eight people apiece. So we got room for 40 people if uh, if we get some people out there. It's it's funny that you say rod holders because that was one is of it, the th- is that funny <laughs> because that was one of the things that I was gonna say um, is when I first started fishing I thought I needed four five six of those damn things on the kayak now I use one that's where does, it where do, where does your rod end up if you're not using it does it go into the rod holder it depends so. If I am in the native, um, the natives have a little dashboard that have notches in it. If I am stalking fish, so I'm paddling around slowly looking for fish, 
it's sitting right there between my legs in one of the notches. Now, if I'm paddling from one point to another and I'm just paddling to get there, it'll go in the rod holder in front of me just in case I stop and want to fish a drain or something like that. Now, in the Hobie, it's in my hand. Like, I just, I keep it in my hand as I'm pedaling around. Um, and then if I go to paddle with the Hobie, I am putting it in the rod holder. Uh, so, sorry, man. Here, here's something that, you, you know, you're talking about using the Hobie, okay? And that's, of course, what I use, you know, nine times out of ten, although I have 50 freaking kayaks. I'm in the Hobie most of the time. And I might have three rods, two or three, in my lap. Um, I, I can't like to, do that. I don't see how you do it, man. Yeah, I've got, I, I like to have um, my pop and cork rod nearby because um, I'll, I'll often switch out to my pop and cork rod. Um, and I definitely like to have a sight casting rig nearby. Um, and then I might have either a top water or a crank rate, crankbait um, rod right there as well. Actually, I might be working the crankbait rod and have the sight cast rod right next to me you know in my lap or something like that and those that that are listening if you are a tinkerer if you are an inventor if you have a 3d printer here is an idea for you because it's needed desperately for the hobie in front of the pedals is a mast holder okay it's a hole where you would put a mast for a sail for the hobie sail Drew, would you not agree that that area of the Hobie needs a bullwinkle? Uh, like a Rocky and bullwinkle, or what's a bullwinkle? <laughs> so a bullwinkle is exactly what you would think a bullwinkle would look like, right? ESPN's going off. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. All right, look, think, think of Bullwinkle's horns, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, it looks like you could set rods right up in it. That's what a Bullwinkle is. Um, it is just basically a, a Y shape. Maybe it's a W. Maybe it's a few Ws. But something that can adapt into that mast holder that has a Y or a W or something so that I can stick my rod tip up there and have it in an area that's not going to get hit by my pedals moving back and forth. Absolutely. So Absolutely. those of you, if you've got a 3D printer, print me one up. <laughs> Yak Gadget. Yak Gadget has a new product out that can turn anything with tracks into a horizontal rod holder, which would be perfect because it's off to the side and it's up a little bit. So check out the Yak Gadget one if you haven't. They just came out. They must with have it. been talking to Lambert about that. Yeah, it they they just came out with it. Now, I'll say this, since we're talking about Hobies and rod holders, I do use my front rod holder. I have the Yak Attack, um, the new Yak Attack Omega. I do use that whenever I'm sight casting. And what I do is I put it straight up and down. I put my rod in there. So when I'm paddling, I can I don't have to bend down to get my rod. I just lift the rod straight out when, of the rod when, holder. When you're standing and paddling? Yes, when I'm standing, okay. paddling, and stalking, that's what I use. And then I use uh, Rex's 
clip-on Yak Attack Roto Grip holder to put my paddle in. Your balls? Right, yeah, right there on my waist. So I, I never, mine. I never have to bend over. Man, those things are so freaking useful, man. Uh, it holds a stiffy pole. Yeah, and the new version is even better. Well, I lost mine. I need to order some more. I have one of the original belt clip versions, but the new version is even better. Now, I what... have just a carabiner on it. Yeah, this the one that I have has a carabiner. Now, what is something that you would never leave without? So Drew asks, what is something that I can not live without on the kayak? You know, and there are so many things that come to mind. Um, and I'd like to mention a few. You know, my PFD being one, and I'm thinking about actually changing from the Chinook to a new style PFD, but we can talk about that in another episode. Another thing that I um, I just cannot seem to leave my house without whenever I'm kayak fishing is a knife. Um, I've, I just feel like a knife is something that you absolutely must have um, whenever you're fishing. So I usually have, I used to have just a, um, man, what is that that inexpensive brand of, of knife that starts with an S? I can't, off the top of my head, I just can't. You know, they've been around forever. Um like Smith and Wesson knives. No, or no, no. Um, anyway, it's a you know it's a stainless steel um, flip knife. Um, I used to carry that with me. I carried it with me for probably eight years. That was my fishing knife. Um, it has you know serrations and and you know, a regular blade. But um, that's one thing that I probably would never leave without is a good knife. Now I'm using the NRS. Um, can't remember which one what it's called uh anyway i've got the nrs knife and that sucker is, is stout man it's good for adventure trips um i wouldn't say that it's good for everyday fishing um and the other thing that i seem to be addicted to whenever it comes to fishing of all different types is uh my loyex my astro loyex that is a shoe I think I'll probably buy for the rest of my life whenever it comes to fishing. Um, How long have you had yours? Five, six years? I don't know. Yeah, I've I've had my Columbia Drain Makers for eight years, and I finally need a new pair. So when we went and did the Devil's River trip, I think we mentioned it on the episode, but they didn't tell me to bring boots. They were like, you know, I asked. I said, what type of apparel do I need to bring? And they were like, well, it's you know going to be warm during the day and cold at night, blah, blah, blah. Um, you should be fine with normal clothes. I'm like, all right. But nobody said anything about you need some freaking boots. <laughs> like Dude, wading boots? Like some hefty, heavy-duty boots, dude, that you could lace up past your ankles, all right, to give you ankle support. And you need some mad tread on the bottom because you are – you're in all different types of terrain. And whenever I say all different types of terrain, I mean mud, um, sandstone, limestone, um, something that feels like it's the bottom of hell. <laughs> River just, rocks. Dude, boulders. I mean, you're in all the shit. And all I had was my Astro Loyex. And I thought, 
I could have swore. I was like, man, I'm going to beat these things to death. And some time during this river trip, I'm going to have to default to my flip-flops because my loyaks are going to be destroyed. They held up the whole way, dude. And not a single thing happened to them. Every stitch still looks perfect. The bottoms still look just fine. Um, I, everybody was like, man, those things are going to get ate up out here. You're not going to have any bottom left on them. They were fine, man. I, were I'm good. a 100% a believer that Loyaks are possibly the best uh, fishing shoes ever made. So That'll be my next purchase. The, the Loyaks will be my next purchase. Jessica has those. Eight years ago, I bought two pair of Columbia Drain Makers when they were the original Drain Makers. It wasn't a yeah. Drain Maker 2, 3, any of that. Um, and they have held up this long, but finally the sole is starting to peel. Are those away. the ones with the draw cord instead yes. of the. No, yeah. no, no. They have these, these have oh, they laces. Have laces? Okay. Yes, these have actual laces in them. Um, and they have been outstanding. I will tell you, I will not buy another pair of the Under Armour. Uh, oh, anything Under Armour. Kayak shoes or water shoes. Those things are horrible, they suck. The rubber has come off the bottom. The yeah. way that they there's oyster and rocks stuck in the bottom of the we shoe that can't get out. Yeah. We talked about this like in episode three or something like that. When you're buying shoes, do or kayak or fishing shoes, for, for whatever reason, do not buy them that are glued. Exactly. Do not, do not buy shoes that that have adhesive holding the the, the shoe together. Because the adhesive is going to deteriorate over time. That salt water is going to eat yeah. it up. Not just salt water, but even fresh water, you know. It just, water is meant to lubricate, right? And it's meant to penetrate. It's going to get into that, that fabric and it's going to start to separate those, those, uh, that bond. Stitching is the way to go. Um, you know, hard, rough stitching. And it's funny that, I was researching a new pair of boots online and the next day <laughs> your brother asks on Facebook, Hey, anybody know where I can get these boots? And I was like, Holy shit. I was just researching those yesterday, but they're the NRS, um, boundary boots boundary. Yeah. <laughs> now, unfortunately they are sold out all of, uh, uh, I mean, across the entire world. They're just sold out. You cannot find them anywhere. Um, but I know many, many people that use them, and they absolutely freaking love those things. So I'm willing to give those a try. Um, I'm not sure how I'll feel about neoprene all the way up to my damn knees, but I think they would have been pretty damn good on that river trip. Yeah, they have a great reputation, the NRS. Uh, anything NRS has a good reputation, though, for, for quality. But um, Under Armour, no. Sorry. Sorry, Under Armour. <laughs> Take a flying leap under yeah. armor. <laughs> your tennis, the tennis shoes that I have that are under armor are very, very, very comfortable, but your water shoes suck. Oh, here's something new that I probably won't ever leave my house without again. Um, the real sportswear um, buff with the, the holes in the front. Game changer. I, did, I had no idea that it made that much of a difference. The solar bandit. I had no idea. I'm I'm never I I never have to 
deal with fog ever again in my sunglasses. You know, the, the your breath is allowed to just escape normally rather than rising up the buff and entering into your, you know, this very small crevice that's open between my cheek and my sunglasses. You know, it's like it's like the hot ass breath from your mouth just finds a way to just creep right up in there. But the solar bandit with the uh, perforated face is perfect. So I'll probably I'll probably fish with those from now on out. It's a great product. Shout out to Real Dude, Sportswear. Sh- shout out to Real Sportswear. I can't wait for their catalog to be released, man. I can't wait either so we can talk about it because he's got some – because we can't talk about what was in the catalog yet, no, Chris. but they got some bomb-ass shit coming. They got some sweet stuff that are coming. I'm, I'm really excited about some uh, – some things that you wear <laughs> below your waist. Let's say that. <laughs> some things that you Some wear draws? below your waist. Oh hell! I just you ain't got. I wear the same stanky ass drawers from forever. Huh? I just it. got new drawers, man. Like I got Thanks new drawers and new socks. I had to. I had to flip around the rotation. But look, when I buy new drawers, I okay. I'll, I'll be completely honest. So if. In a week, this shit's getting deep now. This is when it gets down. This is when it gets down to I, I got to cave in and buy new underwear and socks. So within the week, if I wear a pair of drawers on Monday, and then by Friday or Thursday after a load of laundry gets done, and I I don't have any more to wear, and I got to wear the same drawers that I wore on Monday on Friday after they've been washed, of course. Yeah. If I have to rotate the same <laughs> drawers in a week, and out of the bottom of the damn laundry basket, exactly. Uh, if I have to wear the same drawers within a week, then I need to go buy some new underwear and get rid of that batch because they're probably pretty, pretty worn through. So th- th- that's funny that you say that because there's actually the way it goes down in my house. I don't do laundry. I mean, I might go throw a load in, um, but that's that's the one thing that my Dude, I can't do it. It's just like it aches to to fold laundry. It freaking my body just can't. We are on it. the same page, brother. The I same don't know what page. it is, man. I start and within 15 minutes, it's like from my neck all the way down to my the balls of my feet are just in pain. But my wife can do it very, very easily and very, very well and very quickly. So we've agreed she does the laundry folding. I can, you know, throw some loads in and help in that respect. But it's funny she will she'll she'll notice before I do because honestly I don't give a shit. I'm just grabbing some drawers out of the damn drawer. Whatever is there, mm-hmm. I'm grabbing, I'm putting on. <clears throat> but she'll notice as soon as I'm wearing a specific pair, she knows it's time to do to time do to do laundry. laundry. Time yeah. to do laundry. Cuz cuz the way that she you know puts them into my my drawer. Mhm. She puts that pair at the bottom. Those black ones with the flaming lips on them. No, they're <laughs> the, actually, we can't wear those. They're Santa Claus. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> so as soon as it gets to the Santa draws, man, she's like, "Uh oh, I guess I need to do laundry." <laughs> well, when I when I buy them, I always buy underwear two packs of five. That way, I have ten brand new pairs. So that's why I'm saying, like, if I wear the same ones in a week then that means I've already had to throw away, like, I don't know, four pairs from that pack 
four pairs from that bunch. So I should probably just let go of the rest of them too, because they're probably just holding on by a few strings, um, and they just need to go. They need they need to get out of there. You know, and you can never, you know, I don't know what word I'm looking for, because honestly, guys, I'm freaking just just exhausted. But don't ever underestimate the comfort and the quality of a good pair of socks. You know, it's like I used to just buy whatever was cheap, right? Because I was, I didn't have a lot of money. So I'd grab like the Fruit of the Loom, you know, or Hanes from Walmart, you know, and I'm like, they're socks. They go on my feet, whatever. But you know what I was doing constantly all day long? It's pulling my damn socks up because they're creeping down, you know, to my toes. And I found out, hey, you know what? Spend a little extra money. Go ahead and buy the good socks. You know, you may only get three pair for the same price as you were buying 20 pair. But, but it's worth it. It's worth it. You're not constantly pulling the shit back up, you know, your boots. And I'll never, ever, ever buy Cabela's brand socks ever again in my life. I threw every pair of those damn things away. One year they had a sale on their wool socks. And I like wool socks whenever I'm wearing boots. Bought, like, tons of them. I was like, damn, this is a good deal. I bought bunch of them every single pair would creep down to my toes fall down <laughs> i'm like damn it man i'm walking you know from my car to work and next thing you know i gotta stop because my sock has balled up in the toe of my boot <laughs> anyway it's funny how we got on the subject of socks and underwear <laughs> yeah and and let's just finish it off um i don't know if this is weird or not it's probably gonna be weird no, I don't. I don't think it's gonna be too weird. I, I want to see how many of the bro staff agree with me. Um, so all of my clothes that I get that's new, t-shirts, underwear, um, dress shirts, I always wash it before I wear it. Um, I buy it new, take it out of the package, goes directly into the laundry basket. I just want it washed before. I wear it, and that may be a little weird to some. Some will be like, yeah, I do that too. But my socks, to me, there is no better feeling than a fresh pair of socks, brand new, right out of the, not, pa- right out of the package, not Cause washed, because you never they're, you never get that feel again. Yeah, they're never tight on your foot. Man. Again. They're, yeah, they're, they're, it's like... You got that compression, you know. And, and they're so soft. Right. They're yeah. so soft straight out of the package. They don't have your funk on it yet, man. No, you never get that feeling ever again from the socks either. Like, <laughs> if you gave me 10 pairs of socks and only one pair had not been washed, I could tell you which pair it was. Or if so, you gave me nine pair that hadn't been washed and one pair that had, I could tell you which pair had been washed as soon as I put it on my foot. So somebody, somebody gifts you a you know, a cotton shirt. Okay. And, um, you know, you, you go home and you wash it because if you were to put it on almost immediately or, you know, that day before it ever got washed, if you got into any situation where you started to sweat at all, for some reason, it feels like the sweat does not wick through the fabric at all. It just like, it becomes like a, a sandpaper feeling all over your body so it's like yeah you gotta wash that shirt man and it doesn't matter with cotton or or uh, polyester or any other fabric it's just that's kind of what happens you got to get it into the washing machine 
and and just get all what whatever film that they put on this fabric whenever they produce it get that off of it because you it doesn't breathe whatever it is just doesn't breathe so i'm with you on that man okay good i i knew yeah, i knew i wasn't that weird pants i don't give a shit but but it's just the shirts yeah shirts i and i used to wear undershirts all the time i no longer wear undershirts anymore so i don't either well no i do i'll wear some I, undershirts dude, i used to be one of those guys man had a I white had undershirt all the time no i had matching undershirts that matched with the 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 shirt that i was wearing you know um not just white what it could have been gray it could have been black it could have been purple i had matching undershirts that went with my outfit you just gotta wear well i'm from the i'm from the generation where like all we wore to school was a white undershirt and a polo shirt and some uh cargo shorts oh hell i'm of the generation where we would wear four polo shirts yeah see that was before my time the double polo <laughs> that popped was collar the most, oh the most ridiculous thing ever i would be i would have like a yellow one over a blue one over a pink one over a purple one and you know what? i just would switch them out like the next week i just you know reverse the order or something <laughs> and and when i say polo shirt i do not mean like ralph lauren polo shirt because i had one ralph lauren polo shirt the rest i had chaps. one tommy hill figure <laughs> shirt and the rest were chaps and uh what was the other ones polo usa chaps and there was beverly hills polo club and whatever else you could buy at palais royal bugle boy (laughs) yeah bugle boy and all that that's the kind of polo shirts we had but to to end this off chris i want to talk about two things that i will wear every time i go fishing i have since we're talking about clothing I will not go fishing now without a hooded performance shirt. And by performance, we're talking about like the dry fit, moisture wicking, and a good pair of quote-unquote fishing pants that dry easily, um, that are very lightweight material. I don't think that you can spend enough money on a good pair of fishing pants the performance shirts, you know, you can get a whole lot of those. Um, Real Sportswear has theirs that has the 50 um, SPF on them. Um, they have the hooded performance shirts. They're the ones that really got me into the hooded performance shirts, and I will never get on the water and fish without shorts? them. You wear fishing shorts? I No, I wear the pants all the time. I'm too white to wear shorts. Well, I for, burn. I if you, burn if bad. If you ever feel like buying a pair of fishing shorts, um, and those listeners out there that do wear fishing shorts, I do believe that possibly the best pair that were ever created are the Sims Guide Series. They are freaking amazing, man. They've got elastic in the waistband. <laughs> That's And that is very, very, very good if you're in a Hobie. Because I don't know how many guys... I'm polling, too. Well, and me included in this guys, 
that if they're in a Hobie, half the oh, time you, gotta, you, you, gotta take a leak. you see their ass crack. No, you oh. see their ass crack because when they stand up, sit down, or they start pedaling, their shorts come down every single time. So those ones with elastic that have some stretch will really help out because during this tournament that we were talking about, you don't know how many times my brother was like, I can see your whole ass right now, bro. Pull your pants up because we were moving around so no, much. Sounds like you got another problem altogether, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it could be the belly, too, that doesn't help with that, but that's all right. But a good a good pair of fishing pants, um, I use the Columbia, um, I cannot uh, This next year, I'm graduating from Columbia, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn them all in. I'm going to go ahead and donate them. There, well... I, I'll probably get away from Columbia too, but we'll, we can't talk about that till it happens. So <laughs> we'll we'll see. But a good pair, a good pair of of fishing pants that are lightweight and dry quickly. And I use my hood more than anything on those hooded performance shirts, uh, just to keep the sun off my neck. I can wear a mesh hat and not get my head sunburnt like crazy i know this doesn't apply to a lot of you guys because you have hair um and you don't have to worry about getting sunburned on your head but it'll save the back of your neck too so that is the last thing i want to end with is just some good clothing out there i wish when i started my kayak fishing journey that i would have purchased some better clothing to oh, do good it lord in. you're not even joking man I remember one day going out and just wearing wearing a tank top and a pair of shorts, dude. And I was like, I'm gonna go kayaking for the day. Actually, no, it was it was three days. We were kayaking in Palacios. I went I went one time in shorts. And day one I fished in shorts and the tank top. And the rest of my trip was freaking miserable because I was so burnt. It was yep. sucked. But now I know. Now we all know. Performance gear with UPF, and you're good to go. For sure. So let's wrap, let's wrap it up here. Things that we definitely think that you need to have on the yak with you. Good shoes. Good pants. <laughs> good shirts. <laughs> Your apparel has got to be on point, folks. Yes, it does. You need to have, for sure... You need to have some split ring pliers. You need to have hard baits for Yeah, sure. you need to have some crankbaits. Yes, sir. Anything else we wanted to add to the you need to have? So I missed gonna, I missed if, a little section. If if these guys are going to go out and they're going to buy some crankbaits, let me suggest to you the Berkeley Square Bill Square Bill. Um it used to be called the Square Bill, but now it's just called the Square Bill. Um and the um, Berkeley Wake Bull, um, and also the Juke, the Berkeley Juke. Um, I don't think you fished with the Juke yet. I haven't fixed with the Juke. You yeah. piqued my interest. Now I'm going to have yeah. to go get some. Yeah, the Juke is pretty solid, man. Um, first thing you do whenever you buy those is go ahead and switch out the hooks because they are freshwater hard baits. However, I have heard um, through the grapevine that Berkeley, once they get you know spun up again here um, with the supply chain, that some saltwater versions are going to hit the shelves. So look for awesome. 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now let's go ahead and get on out of here, man. The game started. Oh, it's it's seven eleven. All right, let's jump out of here, guys. If you have not heard about the Bro Staff Meetup, make sure to go over to the Paddlers Playbook Facebook page and check that out. It is November twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth at Goose Island State Park in Rockport, Texas. We have multiple sites there. You guys just have to let me know who's coming so I can assign you to a site. The state park, the rangers there asked me to make sure I have some kind of list for them um, on who's going to be on what site um, just to make the check-in process easier. So if you do plan on going, please send us a message, either the Palish Playbook Facebook page or to Chris and I's personal pages and just Don't let us know that you plan on coming. Bring your kids, bring your wife, bring your mama, bring your kin. Bring everything. Because they do have a lighted pier that is great for night fishing that I am guessing on Saturday night is That's going to be, be full of a bunch of dudes drinking, having fun, and catching trout in the lights. Yes, sir. That's, that's my guess. So right, come man, on out, out guys. All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Yeah. Peace.